Everyone, you're listening to Cactus Pod, and we have a very special guest with us. This is part two of the interview with my father, Winford Barr, who is a retired territory manager for the Internal Revenue Service. Welcome back, Dad. Uh, good to be back. Thank you. Yeah, so when you left off in the last episode, you were sharing with us that you ended up pursuing accounting, you wanted to specialize, and you're so glad that you did that. Can you share with us how you landed your first job after graduating from Winston-Salem State University? I most certainly will, and if I may add, I'd like to comment my departure from uh, Gifford Tech also. Oh, please do. At Gifford Technical Community College, uh, I received an associate degree in accounting this was August of 1977, mm-hmm. and just prior to graduation, I was seeking uh, employment opportunities, mm-hmm. and I had a lot of doors that said no, mm-hmm. but finally, I pulled into this industrial complex, and that was the small paper manufacturing company, DEW Incorporated, mm-hmm. and I was getting out of my car, and I was having some self-talk, and I was saying to myself, these folks ain't going to offer me no job. Mm-hmm. But I went in there and I got to speaking to uh, the president of the company. And as we were having conversation, we began to hit it off. Mm-hmm. And uh, just before we concluded, I said to him, I know what the job offer is for this. Mm-hmm. I said, but what I will do is I will work six months at half the pay mm-hmm. to prove that I can do this job. I said, but after that, I won't work for less than a dime that the job offers for. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he took that up with his two partners. Yeah. And um, that's how I landed my first job in accounting. To offer to work for less for a contract period of six months was some negotiation. The funny part was when the six months was up, we were having a conversation and he was saying, well, Winford, we're not going to be able to pay you what the uh, job offer was Mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, I said, well, I can't afford to stay. And they went ahead and paid me and I stayed. So, you know, everything went well. And one of the advantages of working with DW Incorporated was they didn't care when I worked. I had two secretaries. Mm -hmm. And as long as I got the work done, that's all they cared about. So if I had a day class at Winston-Salem State, I would work at night. If I had a night class at Winston-Salem State, I would work during the day. Prior to me going to Winston-Salem State, I had actually been accepted at Guilford College. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they had a really good program, mm-hmm. but I had one problem with them where they had accepted some classes of minds. They wanted to remove them from a transcript so that I'd spend more time on their campus. And uh, I didn't agree with that. So I told them I'd sign the piece of paper, but I wasn't going to be coming. And so consequently, I left Gifford College. I went straight to West Salem State and applied and started at West Salem State January of 78. And that was a great experience because at Gifford Tech, I knew business. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't know was the arts. And that's what West Salem State opened up to me. It opened literature, philosophy. I mean, it gave me a a broader view of the world. And I loved the campus of West Salem State. I really did. Uh, Graduated with honors, I might add in May of 80, and continued to work with DEW Incorporated. But in 1984, Mm -hmm. DEW Incorporated was sold. And the new executive vice president and I, we didn't see eye to eye. He carried more weight than I did, so I had to go. And I prayed. I said, Lord, I said, give me 60 days to get the animosity out of my system because I wasn't mentally ready to go and work for anyone right then. I was, I was angry. Mm-hmm. And, and God gave me 60 days. I went to work at North Carolina A&T State University. Hey. Aggie, Aggie Pride. Pride? <laughs> 1983. I said 1984 earlier. That was in error. That should have been 83 because I started work with A&T December 7, 1983. And I loved ANT. Mm-hmm. I would have just about worked for them for free, but I had the family that you've referenced, uh, Miss. Yes, Mary. yes, a wife and two children. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, and working at ANT, I didn't have no benefits. I was working there as a temporary, but I loved it, and I would have worked for free, but uh, I applied for the. Internal Revenue Service through Winston-Salem State, I might add. I went over because oh, wow. I had a job placement uh, office, and I went over there, and the young lady that was in charge of it, she said, well, the IRS is hiring. And so she took a look at my resume, and she said, I see why you ain't getting no calls. <laughs> and she took my resume and, and condensed it to one page. Oh, that's something. And uh, immediately... I got a call from the IRS. I met with the manager there in Winston-Salem. He said, yes, we will be uh, in touch with you. And I've gotten my years mixed up again. This was during the summer of 83. Well, it was February of 84 before I finally got a call from them. And I told my wife, I said, Pam, I said, I get the interview, I get the job. And I went in there, and whenever they were done, I asked them, did they need anything else? I said, no, no, no. But uh, by the grace of God, I got the call and reported to work July 2nd, 1984 in Wilmington, North Carolina. And so I'm sure, Dad, that this was a life-changing opportunity. You know, Maria, I didn't realize at the time what an opportunity it was. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was I didn't realize the risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if because, you know, your first year is a probationary period and they can fire you for any reason. So, you know, here it is. I'm moving my family 
from from High Point to Wilmington. We knew nobody in Wilmington. We had I had one cousin in Wilmington that I knew that I got <laughs> to meet while I was there. But on the whole, we didn't know nobody there. We went there, and, and I mean, Wilmington was great. Uh, the service, it was hard. Now, I'm going to tell you, the first year, you spend about 10 weeks in training. That's the way it was designed then. So, Dad, this is an exciting time. I know that this was an exciting time for you and for Mom. So this was really your, your first, I guess you had your, your first job when you were going through and finishing at Winston-Salem State. But then you got this job and, you know, this is the job that required the move. And this was the job where you were going to be using your accounting degree. And so those were all challenges by themselves. But can you share with us maybe what it was like working as a young African-American male. Yes. With DW Incorporated, I was the controller. I was the chief financial officer. There was another black chief financial officer that I knew in the city of High Point. Now, we did have a controller uh, in Greensboro, Mm -hmm. Uh, working with the county, mm-hmm. but as far as just industry itself, I was the only one. So mm-hmm. it wasn't abnormal for me to be in the room again and I'd be the only person of color. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I got on with the service, first thing I couldn't believe is that these folks were paying me to sit in the classroom. <laughs> they were paying me well to sit in that classroom. And uh, the hardest part was the on-the-job training because their goal was to try and weed you out. And I had a young lady that was my on-the-job instructor. We didn't communicate well. She didn't know how to talk to me, and, and I didn't understand her. But over time, we developed a working relationship She was upset with me one day, and everyone had left, and she called me into this office, and she proceeded to just chew me out to no end. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I said to her, when she was done, she said, well, Winford, do you have anything to say? I said, yeah. I said, first of all, this thing that you call BSing, Mm -hmm. I said, if you work with me long enough, you're going to find that that's the core of my personality. Mm-hmm. I said, what you see is me coming in and trying to be friendly with everyone. I say, and that's true. I said, but that's not me faking. And that's not me trying to be someone that I'm not. That's who I am. And wow. I submit to you, she never crossed my path again after having that discussion. Because it sounds like that, from that experience, it sounds like she may not have been accustomed to working with someone of color. And so when she saw your disposition, she saw how friendly you were, how genuinely happy you were, she thought it was all an act. Mm -hmm. That's really something. That's really Mm -hmm. something. And I'm going to tell you, it was hard. Mm-hmm. It was it, it was hard, and uh, I spent a lot of time in prayer. 
I would be uh, remiss if I didn't share with you, I spent a lot of time in prayer. And that would be some nights, it might be 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. I'd be on my knees praying. So, you know, that was something that I was going to ask you was what you did to overcome some of these challenges, but prayer at 2 or 3 in the morning was the answer. And, I, and I'd ask God, uh, if anyone had to show love, to let it be me. If anyone had to say that they were sorry, to let it be me. I wanted to take on the burden. Mm -hmm. And what it did was it gave me a refreshing. I could go in that day and I wouldn't have any uh, hard feelings about what happened the day before. And that's how I made it. So, Dad, you worked for years, correct, before you became a territory manager. Yeah. You know, the first, uh, let's see, July 84, 1989, when um, your mother was pregnant with Sam, 1989. We were going to move back to High Point. I was going to transfer from the Wilmington office to the Greensboro headquarters to work in review, quality review staff. Mm -hmm. And whenever I got there, the work that they had me doing wasn't that of a reviewer. Mm -hmm. I knew what reviewers did because I had had temporary assignments before. So here we go. Mm -hmm. This is where the games begin. Now, I've got my family. Mm -hmm. We're moving back to Highpoint. These folks got me in a job that's a little bit beneath what I come there to do. Oh, wow. So I talked wow. it over with the manager of review staff. And so I said to him, I said, I feel as if I've been betrayed. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, to let me know what my options are. And I left his office that day. I talked wow. it over with Pam. And basically, what I did was the next day when I went in there, and uh, he called me into his office. He says, well, Winford, what is it you would like? I said, I want to return to Wilmington. And I say, uh, it's uh, not through any fault of management, but uh, my wife's pregnant. Uh, the doctor is there in Wilmington. Our house is not sold. I want to go back to Wilmington. And they allowed uh, me to return to Wilmington. So we got back to Wilmington still. This is 89. That manager had said to me that it would be 10 years before I got a promotion. And he was right, because it was 1994. Remember, I started <laughs> in 1994 before I got a grade 12. So, Dad, you've been sharing quite a bit with us. We learned some about your background. We know that you have an accounting degree from Winston-Salem State University. And then you have gone on to work for the Internal Revenue Service. Uh, and now you're retired. But can you go back and tell us what it was like being an African-American in leadership 
during the course of your career? Most certainly. I first entered leadership, first of all, I carried the bag as a technician, as an internal revenue agent for 19 years. Mm-hmm. So in 2002, I entered a frontline leader readiness program. And actually, I, I wasn't that serious about it at the time. I just wanted to let the leadership know that I was still there and that I was still active. Okay. To make a long story short, um, they pulled my name for an interview. <laughs> and, I, and then I, I go and I talk to my wife because it's like, you know, I was teasing about this application and now they then selected me for an interview. So I said, well, what's the worst that can happen? I'm going to go to Washington. I'm going to sit through an interview. Mm-hmm. I'm going to eat in a real nice restaurant. <laughs> I'm going to stay in a very nice hotel. And then I'm going to fly back. So I'm like, well, how cool is that? Sounds like a win-win to me. (laughs) Yeah. So I get to Washington and I meet the uh, district director at the time. And whenever he shook my hand, I'm going to tell you, Mm -hmm. the calmness from him transferred to me in a handshake. And so I get into the interview and I'm, you know, at first it's warm Mm -hmm. and I can feel myself almost perspiring but then it got cool mm-hmm. and I could feel a cool breeze and at that point I was really talking about the things that I wanted to talk about and then I made a closing statement I said that you know in my heart of hearts this is what I want to do mm-hmm. and I left that interview feeling like there was no way they could not select me I, was, oh, wow. I felt just that good about it. And true to form, they did select me. And I loved it. Uh, in 2002, that's when you had the uh, the D.C. sniper out there. Mm-hmm. I remember. I can, re- I can remember in Northern Virginia pulling over to get gas and dirt rolling <laughs> from the <laughs> pump <laughs> to get inside the pay <laughs> in order to get back to my vehicle and continue my route to... Um, the location in which we were having the uh, Frontline Leader Readiness Program training. But it was great. I loved it. And one of my co-workers, he said to me, he said, Winford, you took to the leadership like a fish to water. So uh, I went on to uh, do some acting managing in Charlotte, and then I managed Wilmington for a year, all of 2003, and October of 2003, reported to Raleigh, become the frontline manager here. I led this group here in Raleigh for seven years, and uh, my territory manager, he retired. Mm-hmm. And so uh, fortunately, I, uh, I applied for that position, and I was selected as the permanent territory manager in 2010. I started serving in January, but actually made permanent. It would have been like right, right around September of 2010. But it's just a great experience. I love serving as the territory manager. I used to have this term. It, was, it wasn't an appropriate term, but it was one I liked, and that is I liked managing managers. Okay. And, of course, you, you learn over time you don't manage people. Mm-hmm. You, you manage assets. You lead people. Oh, wow. And, uh, 
it was just uh, it was just a great great experience it really was i uh my territory covered parts of virginia richmond norfolk hampton uh parts of south carolina myrtle beach columbia greenville south carolina you know just a great experience that's really encouraging dad because i've heard you say a few times that you felt like you were doing what you are born or what you were born to do. I, I really did. I mean, it's like I just I had such a love for it. I had such a love for it. And it, was, it wasn't easy. But I got to give people opportunities. You know, it's good to be able to be in the chair and know that you're getting ready to make a selection that's going to have impact. And that was another one of the reasons I entered leadership is that I wanted to have impact. As a revenue agent, I might affect 20, 40 taxpayers that I'm carrying in my inventory as a revenue agent. Mm -hmm. As a manager, I might have 15 agents. Oh. And that 15 agents might have 20 to 40 cases in their inventory. You can see the multiplied effect, how, what a greater impact that is. Oh, absolutely. And so as a territory manager, I would have anywhere from six to eight managers under me. And uh, it, it was just a great experience. I, I, I loved it. There's a lot of travel involved, and there was a lot of training involved. And that was one of the things that I left out. You know, every leader has to have a teachable point of view. And that was one of the things that I did uh, early on. Mm -hmm. And if I go back to 2000, we've got a picture of me in the snow. And what we were doing is I was uh, doing some work with the National Treasury Employee Union at the time. We were in Washington, mm -hmm. and we were petitioning the congressmen and the senators to uh, enhance health care. And we had uh, some other issues along with pay and, and, and this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, all that stuff was, was getting me ready for, for the leadership aspect of it. And we, we changed how we conduct examinations. And that was one of the things that I bought into so that they were sending me and uh, some other members of my team all over the country training other managers and other agents, if you will, in these examination processes. That's incredible, Dad. And so it's so nice to know that you were able to enjoy your position. Can you share with us what some of the most valuable lessons are that you learned over the course of your career? I think back to one of the first examinations I conducted, and it was an office audit examination, which means the taxpayer came to the office. Well, this gentleman, he walked real slow, and we were walking back to my cubicle, and I was saying to myself, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and this, that, and another, and we get back to the cubicle, and we sit down, and I learned in our first few sentences that the young man had lost his son that weekend. And even though he had lost his son, he showed up for this audit. Mm -hmm. And what I did was I immediately terminated the audit 
I said to him, I said, sir, I said, thank you so much for coming in here today. I said, but you have more important matters. Mm -hmm. I said, whenever things have calmed down some and you've taken care of these personal things, you, you call me and we'll reschedule. But the thing that I learned from that experience mm -hmm. was not to prejudge someone. You know, yeah. don't make up your mind about somebody before you know who and what they are about. And one of the ways that we learn about people is engaging in conversation. And that was a it was a that was a hard lesson and a swift lesson. That is something. That is something. So, and thank you for sharing that, Dad. I know that we all can take something from that mm -hmm. lesson. Um, you know, so if there were just one final thought you would like to share with the listeners that might help them grow in their profession, what would that final thought be? To be committed. Be okay. committed. Whatever career path you choose, be committed and know that nothing good comes easy at first. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. But again, be committed and things do work out. You know, you don't have to fear. Things do work out and be willing to put in the time. I saw a lot of people come to our organization, and I've seen a lot of people go. Mm -hmm. I came and I stayed 32 years, five months, and 29 days, and I'm so glad I did. Wow. I had a great career, and, and the Internal Revenue Service was very good to me in a nutshell. Thank you. Thanks so much, Dad. Thank you for coming on the show. Listeners, again, this was my father, Winford Barr, retired territory manager from the Internal Revenue Service. If you all enjoyed this show, please subscribe. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions that you'd love to communicate to us at Cactus Pod, please email askcactuspod at gmail.com. Thank you again. We look forward to talking with you soon.